there's your start. On. Hello, Zan. <laughs> I was waiting I... for you to go first. I know, I just... Where were you? Did you offer the, offer the fairies? I just had an image of you just like suddenly springing up in the middle of the night <laughs> going, Hello. what? Hello, Who is Zan? that? Hello, Zan. <laughs> I'm, I am your, I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You've had a week? Oh, every week's a week, isn't it? No, but you've had a better week than most people have could have in a year. I oh, think. you're talking about Tuesday night Bolton? Yeah, Tuesday night Bolton. Why did I see Michael, Michael Bolton on Tuesday, Why you wouldn't you see Michael Bolton on a Tuesday, <laughs> I ask? Because that uh, you're getting offers. Um, you're like Glenn Campbell in Galveston, getting offers, <laughs> offers coming over the phone, and you're getting the slickest offers of all time. Uh, Michael... Bolt, what? It was weird. It was no, really weird. it's never weird. Huh? But, it was, but the, I mean, the, the context of it was strange, and, it, and I'm not going to say what the brand is. Oh, go on. But it's audible. Uh, <laughs> and they're audio books, aren't they? They're audio books. Okay. So Actually, that makes I, sense. I kind of I need to say what the brand is but to, to give context yeah. to why he chose, chose the, the, to sing that song but change the words to it. I'll get to that in a moment. Because I've always thought his um, long, luscious locks from the 80s and early 90s were very relevant to, to bookmaking and um, the printing press. Well, you could have turned those locks into a bookmark. That was so long. <laughs> you sort of, when you, do you remember the, the period when it was just, you know, it just got beyond the point. It was like, we know you're balding and you, the, the mullet, the long mullet doesn't make up for it. Just chop, do the chop. Yeah, and when he did it. a chop, it was almost like a celebration yeah. of like, yeah, he's finally given in and you look so much better, Michael. But he is, he's a guy who's done, he's done stuff parodying himself on with the Lonely Island guys and he has, um, you know, done silly things, again, parodying himself on TV before, but he's basically done this partnership with Audible who do, there's an Amazon company who do audiobooks and he's trying to, you know, raise the profile of Audible in Australia. So he did, he must have got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars Sweet to come geek. out and do this thing where he basically, yeah, did like a, a video, an ad, and then I turned up to this bar in inner city Sydney where a bunch of people lined up and we stood there watching him be funny, like have a chat with uh, Jonesy and Amanda of WSFM, which is like the oldie station in Sydney, and um, and then sing some songs and he performed. So I got to see Michael Bolton, who is, you know, a very successful man and, you know, still commands a crowd. Yeah, knows how to put on a show, He knows how to put on a show. Performed to a room of um, very hot under the collar middle-aged women. Is that right? Do you, are they um, still hot for the bolt? Yeah, look, there were a lot of phones up and there was um, a lot of sort of Cheshire cat grins mm. looking at Bolton. Um, was and yours a lot, a lot of, of Cheshire cat, cat grins? Would, would, <laughs> are you hot for the Bolt? Oh, I'm not hot for him, but it was so joyful. And there was, I mean, there was shouts from the back of the room like, sexy! And he oh, loved no, it. Like, no, it. I felt like I was basically no. at someone's 50th and yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Well, uh, no, it sounds more like it's like a lady's like, going to gentleman's stripping night. <laughs> 
It Goodness was totally. Me, this is, old, what this was is that, a bit um, magic mic territory, isn't it? What was that uh, strip striptease? The um, the Australian striptease, like the Australian version manpower. of the chip and manpower. It was manpower. very manpower. Jamie Jury fronting manpower for quite yes. some time in Las Vegas, and yes. uh, that's how he got. That's how he got famous. It was a manpower kind of night. But I tell you what, I thought it was joyful. He covered songs. He can sing. And of course he can. It's he like... sings with the smallest mouth, though. He barely opens it. This little sort of thin-lipped, small, like it's a tiny little mouth, a little orifice in which this beautiful, very unique vo- voice is coming out. But then, you know, we're all waiting for the big hit. We're all waiting for Said I Loved You. Yeah. I would have said, how am I supposed to live without you? Well, one of them. One of the big signature songs. And I'm songs. saying everything with Michael Bolton, tiny pursed lips Yes, yeah, so we've all got old pursed how lips. That's how it is. I've, uh, you've just explained the entire sound of Michael Bolton now. I can see it in his just mouth. Just why, why open your mouth when you can funnel it all through a 10 cent piece? <laughs> but he changed the words what? to sell Audible and it was said I read you but I lied. As in like, because I'm not <laughs> reading because it's an audio book. And then oh, it just boom, it just fell Bang so Boy didn't flat. like that over here. Nah, that no is. one in the room liked it. And I thought that they would be a really forgiving crowd, but it was a really bung note. <laughs> and no one had their phones up filming it because it was like, no. But my, uh, luckily I took my friend Al, who P.S., when I invited him last minute, listened that whole afternoon to Michael Bolton's songs to get primed. Like he yeah. was very keen. Yeah, that's that's good. Do your research. And I and he was singing the actual lyrics really loudly. So I liked that, that he was oh. taking back ownership of the song in front of the Bolts. That's great. That's great. Um, and also also the fact that he had to get primed to remember, but no. clearly he hadn't forgotten he was in so the excited. first place. <laughs> no, that's the thing. These songs have soundtracked our life. They're part of our DNA. Uh, but yeah, and then he didn't perform any songs after that, and so we were obviously doing a bit of a, a Bolton debrief afterwards. And thought, you know, if you finish that, then you can't. You got to finish with something a crowd pleaser. You can't. I mean, sure, you've been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars just to do this, and you want people to come to your show. Yeah. P.S. Michael Bolton's on tour. I'm doing his work for him in the middle of the year, not yet announced, but he'll be here and probably with an orchestra. But anyway, he wants you to come to that show. So no more songs for you. Instead, oh, it said geez. I read you, but I lied, <laughs> and everyone just going, oh. Oh, that was a letdown. Did he hang around for some like photos and press the flesh with? I can't even say the words. Press the flesh with the general public, with the GP. Mm, no, nah, no. Nah. But nah. I did get a photo of him in the um, Halcyon days with the mullet at the front in a oh. beautiful soft focus frame. So I posed with a framed picture of Michael Bolton, That's and that was enough. enough for me. That's good enough. There's your new profile picture. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's good. That's good. So it was a strong Tuesday. Speaking of strong, Shania Twain, the strongest of them all. Country strong, I think you call it. <laughs> I love her. I'm so I love excited her too. about Shania Twain. Touring. You've got the big names like Michael Bolton, but when Shania Twain <laughs> hits the sand of Australia, the women and the men will fall at her feet. I Let's feel. go, girls, is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. December. She's, uh, she hasn't toured here in almost 20 years. I know. Uh, well, no reason. She hasn't released anything, but... <laughs> Stop a lot of other people. No, exactly. This is what excites me. I mean, for, look, let's just give Shania some love first and foremost. Came from nothing and sold one of the biggest singles of all time. Mm. Was that in the 90s? It was, wasn't it? Mm. And man, I feel like a woman. All of those hits. Huge. Still the one I run oh, I forgot about to, that. The oh. only one I Something oh, you to boo. Still the one I kiss. 
Which is the soundtrack to every relationship that's hit like the middle point where you're like, oh, I'm a bit bored of you now. And you listen to that and go, oh, no, it's going to be all right. You're still the one. Still the one. (laughs) Even though you're in tracksuit pants and you don't look quite the same. You've put on 10 kegs since we met. (laughs) Still the one I fought with. That's just, oh, that's a beautiful version. Um, if Michael Bolton can change his lyrics, I can change Shania's. I know she's touring, so we're very excited. And it's rumored that another of our great ladies, as well, mm. is touring. Sloan Dion is coming. There was in me, lifted me up. Because you love me. Shit, this has just become karaoke, hasn't it? It is. Bye. <laughs> Without the drinks. This is How exciting, though. Celine Dion. We're not drunk, funnily enough. I know. Surprisingly, we haven't been drinking before this. Uh, you, maybe. <laughs> no, I haven't. Had, I'm at work. I'm loving these 90s divas coming back. And they're also being reimagined too in the public eye. And I think that's what makes this really interesting. Artists like Shania and Celine, for years it was okay to like them only ironically. But I think with this whole deeper understanding of what goes into being a pop artist and, you know, that term diva and saying we don't use that anymore because it seems unfair mm. um, and it posits them in a bad light. With the reimagining of them, you realise they've had kick-ass careers. They're amazing singers. They've owned, you know, their career trajectory. They've just been huge artists and, and a lot of the time they were the butt of many jokes. But no more, my friend. They're coming back. And if you watch the photographs that came out of Paris Fashion Week, maybe it was last last year, I think Celine Dion owned that bitch. She was the one who's being most photographed for her wacky outfits when she was raked over the coals 20 years ago for that uh, back-to-front tuxedo. Do you yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah. Iconic. Remember that? Yeah, iconic. But everyone, oh, what a joke, you know. But she, she's actually, you know. She, it's fashion. It's fashion, baby. <laughs> and now the world has turned. So people like Celine, it's time for them to shine. Rather and than be ridiculed, and I am all here for it. She's also very funny, and I think Celine has benefited from the age of the internet because seeing what she's like in there's little videos that circulate of behind the scenes and how she is, and you kind of have this picture of Celine Dion as this goddess who commands these you know huge crowds and is rich and lives in this ridiculous house, but she is behind the scenes quite a kook. And I think that the age of the internet has kind of helped. And similarly with Shania Twain, actually, did you see her on Broad City no. in the last season? She made a little cameo. And while she's not the greatest actor, it was very, it was good spirited and quite funny. She basically turned up to be trained. It was Abby's dream to personally train Shania Twain. And one day Shania Twain turns up to her gym. So she runs there, even though she no longer works there. And they just have a ridiculous uh, conversation. But Shania ends up um, basically presenting herself as a really massive fan of Friends. She's obsessed with Friends. And she just wanted to go home and instead of train, watch Friends. So it's kind of like a weird script. It's Broad City. Uh, but I thought that, you know, she again, she sort of pokes fun at herself, much like Celine Dion. And you've got these ideas of these, you know, massive stars who... And Bolton, they all... Know how to laugh at themselves. They all get well. They, they humanise. They, they humanise themselves. They have to because they suffered at the hands of all of us for so long. I don't know. I like that they're coming back and being embraced maybe a little bit more than just ironically. 
Are we going to go and see Shania Twain at one of the winery shows and drink some Chardonnay together? Mate, I'm going to live on the tour van for that. <laughs> I'm going to every single one. I'm not even working. Sad news in the last week, the passing of somebody who's been responsible for many a, in, well, many interior design efforts in various share houses, student houses, even grown-up adult houses because we can't afford proper furniture still, even though we thought we'd get to this age and have nice pieces in our house. We're still going to Ikea, but there's Editorial. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. The founder of Ikea passed away this week. He was 91, and what a legacy he left us. Think. He's worth $58.7 billion. Mm, and he was quite frugal, apparently. Yeah. Didn't like to pay the extra 30 bucks for home delivery, hence the flat pack. Well, you know he actually moved to Switzerland so that he wouldn't have to pay tax oh, as well. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and Ikea, I think, have some very uh, creative accounting when it comes to where they mm. uh, put themselves. Mm. Anyway, not talking about that. We're talking about um, flat packs. Yes. Yeah. It is, um, you know, it's a, what a legacy he left. If you think about Ingvar Cambrad, that's uh, his name. How did he actually get the idea of... I think it was exactly that. He went to a furniture store and then saw somebody trying to put a table in the back of a car and struggled and he thought, oh, I can take those legs off. Yeah. And that would make it easier. That was It was as simple as that, I think. And from there comes the flat pack and it's about making furniture that's well-designed, slightly stylish, um, depends on your level of taste if you think that's stylish. I certainly do. I come from that kind of sort of mid-century school love of that that style, um, simply designed and that everybody can afford it. So good design available to everyone. Sure, he had a bit of a problematic fascist past that we will gloss over just for the sake of, of Are we this. separating the art from the artist in we this are. episode? I think I am. It's a bit hard not to when he's been in our lounge rooms for so long and I had no idea. Yeah, uh, you can read up on that if you want to find out about it. There's actually a whole section of it on his Wikipedia, yeah. fascist involvement. Yeah, he, he, distanced, <laughs> he distanced himself from it. I suggest maybe is at the core of so many relationship developments. It's a test is what it is. I, it's it's a I make or break it's, situation. It's, <laughs> I mean, if you haven't broken up with someone over a Billy Bookshelf case, <laughs> you have not lived. And to be honest, I've had that about five times now at my age. I can't go to Ikea anymore. Ikea, oh my is, God. Ikea, Ikea is off the list. Like your eyes start twitching and you get flashbacks. How many pieces of Ikea furniture do you reckon you've got in your house right now, though? I've got a dining table. That's it. You know good. what I did recently, though? I went there um, with Tom Ballard and he was fitting out his whole house, which he didn't tell me when I said, I'll oh, go to Ikea no. with you. I have a car. I no. thought that he was just getting a few essentials, literally buying. And I'm not just saying like couch and a couple of chairs, but everything from table, couch, side tables, tongs, grater, like every, no. No, he had nothing. He End. was spitting out from the largest to the smallest. I spent five hours with End him. I friendship. was brutally hungover <laughs> and, and I still turned up five hours. I ended up buying a chair. That's a trauma purchase. It was out of spikes. I was like, there's no way I'm investing five hours into Ikea and not coming out with a big ticket item. Mm-mm. And I quite like the chair. But I bought food from Ikea, which is something that I haven't done before, like the actual packet food. I bought some muesli from Ikea. What? And I just thought, you know when you're a little kid and you think, 
Imagine what it'd be like to be locked. It's like that fantasy of being locked in a toy store or being locked. I always have thought of being locked in Ikea. You'd actually be able to live there for probably several years. If there was an apocalypse and the only thing that survived was Ikea, they have everything, everything. It's like they've, maybe he was building a bunker. Maybe he made all the, (laughs) hang on, maybe Ingvar is creating the Ikeas on the front, you think it's a store, but ultimately when the apocalypse mm. comes, it's going to be a bunker. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there, although <laughs> I fear, I fear for... Only certain people will be allowed in. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I was, I was thinking more in terms of the drainage for the sewage systems that are not connected. I fear for that. <laughs> How good are the little signs on the toilets? <laughs> this is not a toilet. That sign's there because someone's tried <laughs> someone's to do a poo it. in the shop. <laughs> So good. So they pull back, make other plans. I understand. I'm a liability. Get you wild, make you leave. I'm a little much for everyone. They're gonna watch me disappear into the sun. You're all gonna watch me disappear into the sun. And she was very absent from the Grammys, wasn't she? Mm, Lord. Lord. Oh, this has been a hot topic this week. I've enjoyed talking about this, but haven't enjoyed the reasons why. Because, man, it's pretty bloody annoying that we're seeing in 2018 now and off the back of a lot of other awards ceremonies, stepping up and making statements Mm. around Time's Up and Me Too. Yep. And the Grammys choosing, you know, you can say, okay, women won 11 out of the 84 awards. There was one female winner televised on the night. You, those are the awards and you can argue about who gives out the awards and what's relevant. You can definitely make choices around who you choose to perform though. You can choose to not let Sting and Shaggy do not one but two songs. And you can choose get two? two songs. Wow. And uh, you two just kept appearing. On various stages, doing various things over and over again. But Lord, who was the only album of the year nominee to not be invited to perform, was absent. She got the offer to perform in a tribute to Tom Petty, but um, declined because she rightly thought that was a bit shit compared to what the others were offered. Absolutely. I think it's appalling. It's very tone deaf. Certainly tone deaf in the current climate. Um, what were they thinking? It's just ridiculous that she's she also didn't like, perform. And she's, she's a great performer. That's the thing. She's young. She's had this huge record that's been critically acclaimed, commercially successful. She, it's been nominated for a Grammy. Like, why wouldn't you ask they're her dinosaurs and they don't get perform. it. <laughs> Last year it was it was Grammy so white, and this year it was Grammy so male. Yeah, they're just not getting it. And I, I to be honest, I'm getting a bit sick of all these awards ceremonies that Pat an industry and various other industries, the entertainment industry on the back for sure they're changing behaviour now, but for years of condoning terrible, terrible things. And I know that the change happens on screen with the women but the, and the speeches that they make, but that's still such a small percentage of what's actually going on in the whole industry. And the people who are organising it, like this Neil fella who organised the Grammys, just hasn't even listened And then when he was criticised, he said that women need to step up uh, and did qualify it the day later and said that's not what he meant, that he, you know, also acknowledged that 
men and in the industry could put out the welcome mat a lot more. But just the fact that, you know, if I've, I'm very... Yeah, I, I don't want to... saying that, put out the welcome mat. What, do you think women haven't actually made music for the last four yeah. years? You <laughs> no. idiot. Sorry. No. He's an idiot. And that's the thing. Like you can't, you can't sort of say, "Oh, we need to do this the day after you've had the probably the most public opportunity to do that, and you don't do it." It's not like you're looking back and saying, six months ago, a year ago, we made a bad choice." And like you say, exactly last year when everyone was decrying, including the winner herself, the fact that Adele won over Beyonce. You know, again, I know the choices of why people win and who wins and who makes that choice is another conversation entirely. But he's got to know that there's things going on in the world. And like you say, just tone deaf, just you can't come out in the same breath and say, yeah, we need to do better when you actually had the chance a step ago and you didn't take that opportunity. Like who else? You've got to do it. Don't tell other people they've got to do it. You're the person who does it. Mm. You know, actions speak louder than words. Yeah. So frustrating. Yeah. Um, it was great seeing Lord's response, though. She stepped up. It was beautiful to see her wearing part of an essay from a feminist writer stitched into her dress. And then she took out this wonderful four-page ad in a New Zealand paper the next day, basically thanking New Zealanders for being forthright in their support for supporting female musicians. But it was a kind of handwritten note where she'd scribbled that note, but then also little scribbles of reminding us that she's, you know, 21 years old yeah. and she's kind of like Jay-Z's hands are really soft and oh my god Stevie Nicks and just like all these little scribbles of memories of who she met the night before like it's just uh, you know I think that she lives in a realm of her own she knows how to speak to her audience she doesn't have to prove anything to anyone and it's just a shame that people like I- I- heading up these the recording academy are taking so long to catch up to that. There's some funk there. I, I feel like it's got something to do with what you're banging on about, Zanro. Parliament. Oh, <laughs> damn. Oh. Not the band either. I was Sorry. excited, but then as soon as you went, I know Parliament Funkadelic, but then I realised what you're actually talking about. And um, can I go down, Ben? <laughs> you would have loved this. I'm banging on I... about Parliament House in Canberra. It's not, and it's it's free not, tour. It's not space is the place anymore. It's, um, it's our nation's capital. Uh, I went to Canberra over the long weekend. It was my first long weekend off in about 10 years because I didn't broadcast with the Hottest 100 countdown. How did you feel? Did you feel like you'd sort of, you were missing a limb on that weekend? Because sometimes it, when you move on to new jobs and... And you're not doing certain things that were very much benchmarks of each year, which that certainly was. Did it feel weird? Not really, actually. I really loved it. I, you know, I, I think it's partially because I uh, am really busy, but also loving my new job on Double J. I'm having a lot of fun with it. But it's been a really intense couple of weeks for both of us, I know, in kind of making these new shows. So, yeah, on Thursday last week, I was like, oh, my God, long weekend. What a treat. Take me to Canberra where everything is hot. (laughs) You know what? Everyone bloody leaves Canberra on the long weekend because they want to get the hell out and they've got three days to do it. So it was very quiet. It was tumbleweeds in Canberra, but I did head along to – the main catalyst was to go and see this great exhibition called Hyper Real at the National Gallery – but I also, you know, it's Canberra. There's three days. There's a lot of time to fill in Canberra. Mm. And we decided, me and my mates, to go to Parliament House um, just because I'd never done a tour of it. And I actually think the building's quite beautiful. You and I have been it there a couple of times. It is beautiful. Carpet is lush. Can I just remind you how lush it's the carpet lush. is? 
love it. <laughs> it's good for dancing, doing slow dancing with B1 and B2 on, isn't it? It is. It As is you good, have good for sliding across the floor of the foyer when no one is there too. <laughs> Miff and I are generally drunk in Parliament House <laughs> once a year. Uh, but it's the, I've never been on the actual tour and it was brilliant because, and I think this is why you'd like it because it wasn't just a tour about the history of Parliament House, but it was an architectural tour and I learnt the whole history of the architect that built it, designed it, worked with hundreds of others, fell in love with Australia and really researched what it was that made up the Australian psyche in order to be able to tell that story in a building and became an Australian citizen. And it just had really interesting moments in it, which, you know what, I don't want to tell you about because I want you to experience it for yourself. I'm not going to give you a Parliament House spoiler alert. I'm just going to let you experience it. I know one day you will go and all the Bang fam, I know the next time you're in Canberra, you're going to go on that tour and you're going to be so glad I didn't spoil it for you. I've told you about ending up in the Prime Minister's office, haven't I? It's my, yes. it's my one story I've dined out on for years. Damn. So good though. Damn. So good. I think you did. Did you maybe tell that on an early Bang On episode? Not sure. Oh, yeah. No, Jane, no, but Bang Boy has confirmed that. If you've missed out on that, then it's a great reason to go back and binge on early episodes of Bang On or indeed (laughs) tell a friend, (laughs) tell a friend about uh, Bang On and get them to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. What are you banging on about this week? Um, It's a television show and it's called The End of, can I swear? The End of the Fucking World. And it's wonderful. I watched it, binge watched it because it's made for streaming. It's that kind of perfect 20 minute episodes that end with a little ending that gives you a teaser for the next one. So you can watch the whole thing in just an afternoon pretty much. Um, and it's as if it's a kid's show because it's about young adults and, and the romance between these two young adults. But it's like it was made for people like us, people who are into indie music in the 90s, which sounds like it could be absolutely terrible as well because I don't really like a lot of those people that are hanging on to that whole aesthetic. It's like a Wes Anderson mm, film that's, that's you need to see. too dark but it's got all of those stylistic references. It's got a great retro soundtrack and the characters are fabulous. Um, I'm not sure the actors' names, I don't have those details there, but it's based on a graphic novel and, and it's a 17-year-old boy who believes himself to be a psychopath and he teams up with this sort of rebel girl, Alyssa, at high school and they go on a road trip and with his with the intention to eventually kill her because he's been... He's been like it's it's very dark. He's been yeah, killing. That. He's been killing animals. He wants to murder a human to feel something. Oh god! And I'm not normally drawn to such things, but it is beautifully put together. The actors who play the lead characters are magnificent for their age, and soundtrack is gorgeous. It looks amazing. It's quite stylized. All right, we've got something from it. This is the two teenagers sitting in a restaurant. They're on the road trip. They've run away from home and they're in a restaurant and I think they're ordering some food and they haven't got any money and she wants to leave. Did you bring money with you? Didn't you? Yeah, I just spent it at Laser Kill. That was all your money? I didn't have to pay for you. I was being fucking polite, actually. What are we going to do? Well, it's just food. And we haven't eaten all of it. You haven't. The only rule with these things is that you never steal from a smaller independent business. Whose role is that? My dad's. He's basically Robin Hood. He breaks the law and stuff, but he's really moral. Places like this are all run by the man. What man? The man-man. The man who, you know, owns all the oil, forces Chinese children to make smartphones and hates Palestine. 
Jesus. Does that give you an idea? <laughs> so good. But yeah, these kids just come from horrible places and and upbringings that have led them to want to feel stuff, but because in a, in violent ways, probably because when they were kids, they they stopped feeling because they felt too much. It's it's really good. How I, do you find it? I think it's on Netflix. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Super easy. But, yeah, like I said, it could have turned out awfully. It could have been just one of those, I don't know. You, you know when people like our gen make things that are for our gen but about kids and sometimes they're awful? This yeah. Is, this is not. When they get it right, it just really cuts through, doesn't it? Mm, it's brilliant. All right, I'm going to watch it. Okay, so um, who's on the calendar diary this week that you will go to, Zan? It's <laughs> not Michael Bolton or Celine Dion. I did get an invite to go to TLC last night, but I was too tired. <laughs> I, saw, uh, <laughs> I love TLC. I saw them last time they were here. They were great. They did about three. They did all the hits, but it was kind of a bit of a medley, a bit weird, and then lots of songs where they were just dancers because the back catalogue wasn't as Thin. strong. As, <laughs> but that sounds I, like a dream to me. I loved it. I know. I want hour-long gigs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm fine. Hour-long gigs seated, please. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can uh, squeeze one of those into Bang On about next week. I'll see you next time. See ya. on. Double J!